as a new week of grace begins. And in the midst of a heat wave, I extend a warm welcome to all in the name of Jesus Christ and on behalf of the congregation of St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church, Kingston, Ontario. This is Father's Day. This is National Indigenous Peoples Day. This is the Lord's Day. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless God's holy name. Let us worship God and let us begin with a psalm originally written in Hebrew, translated into English and set to verse in the Scottish Psalter of 1650. And now before us to sing, O Lord, thou art my God and King. continue our worship now as we turn to God's Word, and our first reading is from the Psalms, Psalms 103, particularly appropriate for us today in a time of tumult, a reminder that the Lord has established a throne in the heavens, and God's kingdom rules over all. Let us read the psalm responsibly. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless God's holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And do not forget all God's benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit. Who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Who satisfies you with good as long as you live. So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works vindication and justice for those who are oppressed. 
The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord will not always accuse, nor will the Lord keep his anger forever. The Lord does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as is the east from the west, so far he removes our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion for his children, so the Lord has compassion for those who fear God. For the Lord knows how we are made. God remembers that we are dust. As for mortals, their days are like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. And his righteousness to children's children. To those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and God's kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding obedient to his spoken word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts his ministers that do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Amen. As we turn to the scriptures, now the New Testament, a short story first. A father said to his twin 
daughter and son, you've both graduated with honors. Here is a car I acquired many years ago. It's several years old. I'm going to give it to you, but before you do anything with it, I'd like you to take it to the used car lot downtown and tell them that you want to sell it and find out how much they'll offer you. Well, they went to the used car lot and they returned to their father and they said they offered us $1,000 because it's quite worn out, but still working. The father said, well, take it to the pawn shop then. They went to the pawn shop, returned to the father and said, the pawn shop only offered us $100 because it's so old. The father then asked his son and his daughter to go to a car club in town and show them the car. Well, they took the car to the club. They returned and they told their father, some people in the club offered us father $50,000 for it. It's a Nissan Skyline R34. It's an iconic car. It's much sought after. And the father said to his daughter and son, I wanted you to know that the right place values you in the right way. If you're not valued, do not be angry. It means just that you're in the wrong place. Those who know your value are those who appreciate you. Never stay in a place where no one sees your value. Well, we now turn to the New Testament, a passage from the very first generations of Christians, a letter written that speaks about continuing on our journey into the presence and promises of the Holy One who values us wholly and eternally. Dear Lord, bless everyone who is listening and those who are about to come and listen. Thank you for the reading of your Holy Word. In Jesus' name, amen. The reading today is from Hebrews 11, 1 to 3, and 8 to 16. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Indeed, by faith, our ancestors received approval. By faith, we understand that the world, worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to set out for a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he set out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he stayed for a time in the land he had been promised, as in a foreign land, living in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, he received power of procreation, even though he was too old. And Sarah herself was barren, because he considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one person, and this one, as good as dead, descendants were born, as many as the stars of heaven and as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. All of these died in faith without having received the promises, but from a distance they saw and greeted them. They confessed that they were strangers and foreigners on the earth. For people who speak in this way make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of the land that they had left behind, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is a heavenly one. 
Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God. Indeed, he has prepared a city for them. Bless the reading of God's holy word. Let us pray. Lord God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be found now acceptable in your sight. You are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. These days, international travel restrictions remain in place. And yet it's important to remember the larger frameworks of our world and of our lives. And so, I have been journeying in heart and mind back to some of the places that have shaped my understanding of Christian faith and life. And this morning, I journey to Cyrene, Libya. Beatrice from France and I from Canada met at university in Edinburgh. One of our mutual agreements was that if she were to come to live across the Atlantic and be the spouse of a Protestant minister, we would gather with her parents and family 
at least once a year, as often as we could, each August. Well, Beatrice's father held a series of posts in a variety of countries. While we were married at l'Église Réformée Pontémont in the 7th arrondissement of Paris, I was introduced to her family while they were posted in Brussels, and our first August family gathering was in Libya. It was magical for this young man from Hamilton, Ontario, to experience the sparkling blue of the Mediterranean, the shifting sands of the desert, the buzz of the Medina of the capital city, Tripoli, and, and the great archaeological sites along the coast. It was a time when there was little tourism in Libya, and these ancient centers of the Roman Empire boggled my mind and my heart without distraction. Sabrata and Leptis Magna and yes, Cyrene. You might recognize the name from the New Testament, for it was Simon of Cyrene, that foreigner in Jerusalem who was forced to help Jesus carry his cross to Golgotha. And Cyrene, we're told in the Acts of the Apostles, on the day of the descent of the Holy Spirit, on the day of Pentecost, people of Cyrene were present and experienced that presence. And the Coptic Orthodox Church, in fact, declares that Mark was a native of and the first bishop of Cyrene. Cyrene was a settlement of the Greeks. It dates back to the year 631 BC. It went on to become one of the great cities of the Greek and later Roman empires. It was called the Athens of Africa. Here along the coast of North Africa, the Christian faith spread early and took root deeply. In preparation for this travel, this summer time in Libya, I had packed a copy of a book by Peter Brown. And during the weeks along the coast of North Africa, I devoured its pages. The book is set west on the coast of North Africa in another outpost of the Roman Empire named Hippo Regius, a biography of Augustine, Augustine of Hippo, one of the great fathers of the church. So from Cyrene, I invite you to journey with me along the coast and through four centuries to the year 410, and the unthinkable has happened. It's a moment of crisis, and Christians in every corner of the Roman Empire are flooding into their churches. It's a moment of crisis because Rome the eternal city, the center of Western culture and religion, Rome has fallen to the so-called barbarians, and Christians are turning to their spiritual leaders for guidance and for support. Consider yourself now among the residents of the city of Hippo, a town of North Africa, and join me as we turn to our bishop, Augustine. We trust our Bishop Augustine. 
Because, like many of us, he's a native of North Africa, and, like many of us, he's a Christian not by birth, but by conversion. We know that Augustine's mother was a Christian, a devout woman. His father was a proud Roman, a follower of the traditional gods and culture of Rome. This son of theirs came to despise what he called the simplicity of his mother's faith and came to accept that human life could best be fulfilled in the political, the social, the economic, and philosophical achievements of Rome. With a certain arrogance and innocence, the young man also lived with a certain self-indulgence and excess. But he was searching for meaning, this young Augustine. He dedicated years to rigorous intellectual education and teaching. He moved from Carthage, where he was a professor of rhetoric, to Rome in the year 383, and then on to Milan a year later. And it was there, at the age of 33, that he again encountered his mother's religion. One day he heard a child cry, Tolle, legge, take up and read. So he picked up what was at hand. It happened to be a collection of Paul's writings, and he randomly landed at Romans 13, verse 13, let us live honorably, not in reveling and drunkenness, not in debauchery and licentiousness, not in quarreling and jealousy, but let us instead put on the Lord Jesus Christ. He was deeply affected by what he read. He sought out the bishop of his city, Ambrose. He began to attend services at the cathedral with a bishop presiding and preaching. And on the eve of Easter in the year 387, Augustine was baptized. He returned to North Africa and we, the Christians, we welcomed him. We knew of his intellect. And now we knew him as a fellow believer. And almost immediately, and almost by force, we ordained him as priest, and shortly after as bishop, bishop of Hippo. And then we saw this Augustine burst into tears. He wept from the shame of once having so scorned the Christians and now being called into their leadership. He wept in acknowledgement of the mysterious and wondrous ways of the Lord God Almighty, whose will no human could thwart. Ever since, this Augustine has been our bishop and has preached strongly on the grace of God, God taking the initiative, God forgiving the past and working a new beginning, God calling, God equipping. Our bishop wrote a poem that will continue to be sung, I am sure, for at least 17 centuries hence, and will be sung after the sermon. O matchless beauty of our God, how great, how ancient, and how new! How late we came to love you, Lord, how strong the hold of sin! You called and cried, yet we were deaf. Our stubborn wills you bent. Our bishop's most widely read writings were not his theological treatises, and they were many and they're brilliant, but rather his confessions. 
this amazing book that details his life before becoming a Christian, a, a book in which he confesses God's grace, God's grace that alone can initiate a conversion of heart and of mind and give the gift of personal faith in God and a life imbued with meaning and eternity. He constantly describes humanity as helpless children, over and over again using the image of suckling infants, utterly dependent upon God we are. And he said, if we know what is good and true and beautiful, if we have life, if we have love, if we have faith, it is only by the grace of God. We trust our bishop. We respect Augustine. He's been a leader in the church, clarifying the Christian faith for us. He's been like a father to us. A father who passes on wisdom of experience and a way of integrity. So now, now in this year 410, we turn to our bishop, to Augustine, our father, in this moment of our greatest crisis. We knew that through months of the previous century, there were signs of decay and stress evident all around us. There was corruption in government in Rome and throughout the empire. The populations amongst us and all around us were growing soft with affluence. There was less and less dedication to the common good. But no one's worst nightmares envisaged after sieges that reduced the population to cannibalism, the fall of Rome in this year, 410. The Goths, led by Alaric, swept down from the north, and over several days, the men were tortured, the women were raped, the marble statues torn down, the temples and churches looted, and the fires ablaze. All over the empire, after the shock, there was only grief and fear. What we received from our bishop was strength, strength from our spirits, strength of giving us a different perspective, a different way of looking at and understanding what we were living. His thoughts over the next 15 years he would record in his magisterial City of God, of which we could read and reread and let sink deeper and deeper within. He spoke to us of the fall of Rome with a tremendous outpouring of sorrow and regret, but not with utter despair. He declared that we, and we knew he was with us, he included himself with us, he declared that we have been wrong to seek human security in Rome or in any social, political, or economic, or philosophical order, however impressive. The social programs, the cultures, the, the political institutions, the philosophic schools, the economic systems, however noble or successful, they all come and go. Only the Holy One endures. On the one hand, the achievements made real in the city of Rome, 
They represented the remarkable achievements of human wisdom, of human goodness, the freedom and creativity of the human spirit. On the other hand, those achievements were fragile, limited by time and space and human energy and corrupted by human selfishness and sin. And he said, inordinate good must never be loved inordinately. This destruction of the premier city of humanity was a reminder, a reminder hard but necessary, of the futility of our efforts because of human selfishness and sin to secure security and immortality outside of a relationship with God. Augustine didn't blame the vices of Rome. He pointed to a deeper, a deeper level, that sin that affects the whole of the human race, and that we all needed to take this catastrophe to heart, and we all need to rebuild lives in new relationship with the one who is eternal. He wrote, the world is old. It's full of pressing tribulations. Do not hold on to the old man, this world. Do not refuse to regain your youth in Christ. Christ who says to you, the world is passing away. The world is losing its grip. The world is short of breath, but do not fear. For as the psalmist declares, your youth shall be renewed as an eagle's. And so as we flock to this cathedral, as citizens of the greatest empire we believe the world had ever seen, our bishop comforted us. He proclaimed the witness of Scripture that our ultimate destiny as Christians was not, never had been, never would be the city of Rome. It was rather the city of God. Our ultimate citizenship is not as Romans, but in the heavenly city, not defined by any one place, culture, language. This bishop spoke to us of his conviction that we are but resident aliens wherever we live. Human security, human salvation, never did rest in any one city built by human hands, but only ever in God. And our primary relationship is to God. Our primary allegiance is to God through the church. As Christians, we hold responsibility in this world, but we are not essentially of this world. In his great 19th chapter of the City of God, our bishop wrote, A household of human beings whose life is based on faith looks forward to the blessings which are promised as eternal in the future. Making use of earthly and temporal things like a pilgrim in a foreign land. But they do not let themselves be taken in by them or distracted from their course towards God. But rather treat them as supports which help them more easily to bear the burdens of this life but they must on no account be allowed to increase the load. Christians, he said, are distinguished not by what happens to them, but by the way they respond to what happens to them. For even in the likeness of the sufferings, there remains an unlikeness in the sufferers. 
The great difference between human beings is found not in what ills they suffer, but in what kind of persons suffer them. Christians differ from other people, he said, not in what happens to them, but in how they respond in faith, hope, and love for neighbor. Our bishop, Augustine of Hippo, died in the year 430, and the Christian community and witness became even more challenging in the years and centuries thereafter in North Africa. But he helped us, and generations after us, I'm sure, understand the fullness of the Christian faith that would sustain us through it all and spread around this world. There is a grace available, a grace available in historical events and natural events. And this grace is the living, active, personal presence of God known by Holy Spirit and in Jesus Christ. And this grace is the final word in every case and in every day. Evil may wreck its worst, but it never, never is the last word. So now returning to Kingston, Ontario, in this year of grace 2020, I, Andrew Johnston, thank God for those Christians of North Africa, for Augustine of Hippo, for a visit to Libya that opened up unto me the imperative to look for a city that has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Amen. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Holy God, I call upon you, you who have created us and this world. You who have never forgotten us even when we have forgotten you. You who have been at work upon us and caused us to hear your voice and have these hardened hearts warmed and have these clenched hands opened. We, O oh God, not only come to you, but we place ourselves in your good hands with thanksgiving, with praise. So may it be. Amen.
turn now to our prayers. Prayers of thanksgiving on this day for fathers and family. Prayers for reconciliation with and the reset of a relationship with the indigenous peoples of this land and our nation. And I'm going to begin these, this prayer with words from Art Solomon, an Ojibwe spiritual elder. We lift up prayers for all who are suffering in the midst of this pandemic, those who are at work and exhausted for the common good, those who are separated from loved ones, those who are struggling financially and emotionally. We lift up prayers for the leaders of the nations, that they might see this world as God sees it, one humanity, beloved. And finally, prayers also surely for this our world, this creation, so fragile and suffering at our hands. But I read an article this morning, this is Friday that I'm recording, from the Kingston Whig Standard, about April Judd, a 19-year-old young woman who's back home on the family dairy farm one hour west of Ottawa after graduating from CJEP in Montreal. It was announced, just announced, that April has won an online competition of four-minute video presentations entitled Girls' Voices at Home. There were entries from 49 different countries. April tells in this article how she was at home without a formal graduation. She didn't have a cap or a gown or a send-off or a party. She felt she'd had nothing to mark the completion of this very important stage of her life and didn't even have classes or university residence to look forward to in September. She wrote, I was lying in bed thinking about everything I'd missed because of COVID-19. But I was also seeing people's resilience throughout the pandemic, and it just got me thinking these deep thoughts when all of a sudden my cat jumped on the bed and sat on my face. It was hilarious, she said, because it was symbolic of what life is. A big collage, she said, of good, bad, beautiful, chaotic, and hilarious. And that's what she spoke about in her winning video. Well, now in the midst of our lives, good, bad, beautiful, chaotic, and hilarious, we speak to God. Let us lift up our prayers. Eternal God, by the work of your Holy Spirit among us, we open our hearts now to you. And by the work of your Son, our Savior, Jesus, at your right hand, we, we bring our prayers to you. Humbly and expectantly, we approach you. O Sacred One, look at our brokenness. We know that in all creation, only the human family has strayed from the sacred way. We know that we are the ones who are divided, and we are the ones who must come back together to walk the sacred way. O Sacred One, teach us love, compassion, and honor, that we may heal the earth and heal each other. So hear us now, O God, as we pray for healing, 
Embrace those weighed down by guilt and shame, those who feel their strength is unequal to their tasks, those whose bodies are failing, whose minds are closed, those oppressed by racism, violence, and poverty. We know, O God, you abandon not one of them, and not one of them is beyond your healing or help, so we pray strengthen us to live this gospel for them, in our families, in our communities, in this nation. We pray today, O God, in particular for our nearest and dearest. We pray for our families. We name in our hearts the ones who share with us the daily experiences and the deepest emotions. We thank you for their company and support, whatever the distances between them. We pray especially, O God, today for our fathers, those long departed from the earth, those still graciously among us, for labors of provision, for acts of forgiveness, for gestures of trust, we thank you. And especially, O oh God, for the way our fathers have turned us by examples both positive and negative to you, the only good and perfect Father of all. We pray, O oh God, for all the families of this world, families facing hunger in a world of plenty, and violence as a result of the power and ego of others. And on this day, this day after World Refugee Day, we pray for all the families in the refugee settlements all around this world yearning to return home and begin again. We pray, O oh God, for families of Canadians, Canadians of many generations, and of Canadians recently settled. We pray for families broken homes from which love has disappeared long ago, diminished homes where death has stalked and stolen, anxious homes where employment is tenuous or illness has suffered. We remember, O oh God, this morning our brothers and sisters, the families of the First Nations of our land, that they might find again a place of respect and dignity, a, a sense of belonging within this nation. We pray, O oh God, that you will speed the time when all your people will dwell at peace in their own homes and walk in trust with those that they love. O oh God, hear us as we lift up now in this time of silence our prayers personal. O sacred one, look at our brokenness. We know that in all creation only the human family has strayed from the sacred way. We know that we are the ones who are divided, and we are the ones who must come back together to walk the sacred way. O sacred one, teach us to love, compassion, and honor, that we may heal the earth and heal each other. All this and much more, we pray and trust and hope in the name of Jesus Christ, to whom with the Father and the Spirit be honor and glory forever. Hear us, O Lord, as we lift up together the words we have been taught. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord be kind and gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you peace this day and every day. Amen.